Welcome to this episode of Investor's Cut series. This is Vishwas Handa and today my request has been accepted by venture capitalist Priyanka Mishra to join with me for this session. Priyanka has been a part of the startup ecosystem almost throughout her career. She started out as an entrepreneur, then worked with another startup as sales director and has also been a VC. She brought focus to developing a seed stage ecosystems at IV Cap Ventures and started the Angel Fund initiative. Today she works closely with startups her interest is clearly stage tech investments a very warm welcome to you ma'am thanks vishwas happy to be here and thank you for having me thank you ma'am so ma'am i have a few questions for you through which we will try to understand more about the vc industry sure right okay so my first question would be a lot of founders even when generating revenues for some quarters often do not get investors so what generally goes into investors mind before giving the fund to the startups okay so i think this takes us to a very basic question you know why some founders get funded while others don't revenue or no revenue and there could be a lot of reasons for that but i think primarily it will be this either not enough upside or simply too much risk right now if i were to look very narrowly as to why some founders don't get funded by vcs despite showing revenue it's likely that it's just not a truly vc fundable business and when i say that what i mean is uh, by simply achieving a product market fit it's it's not going to be enough right the business has to be immensely scalable and profitable and it should have the potential to scale very quickly otherwise it's not going to be an interesting opportunity for a vc the overall size of the opportunity becomes very crucial right to decide investment potential so what happens is that the moment you start uh, your conversation you know with me as the vc i'm thinking can your business become a several 100 million dollar business over an 8 to 10 year period because that's all the time my fund allows me to give outsized returns to my lps lps or limited partners people who have invested money in my fund right and my returns from this particular investment or your business have to be meaningful enough in a way that you know my fund gives great returns even if most of my other investments don't give back anything so that's the way i'm really looking at your company so a founder may be getting revenue and it's possible that the business is making a lot of money and honestly kudos to that you know this business could have you know very positive impact on the community could be successful otherwise you know i commend them for that but it simply may not be a vc fundable business it may simply mean that other forms of capital may just be more appropriate for them and it's important to note here vishwas and i want to say, you know i say this repeatedly that a very very tiny percentage of startups are vc funded it's not imperative to be a vc funded business in order to be successful right ma'am so this gives really insights what goes into the investor's mind that the business has to be scalable as well as it has to give the returns as soon as possible it it has okay. to be outsized right i mean i know outsized. as an investor i'm taking a lot of risk and yeah. probably most of those investments you know may may not give me uh, uh, may may end up not giving me anything but then this one investment does it have the potential at least to give me an absolutely outsized return 
ओके गॉट इट मैम सो द नेक्स्ट क्वेश्चन वुड बी मैम अ लॉट ऑफ स्टूडेंट ऑन्टरप्रीनोर्स वेन हसलिंग इन देर अकेडमिक लाइफ ऑफन फाइंड इट डिफिकल्ट टू रेज फंड इज देर एनी स्पेसिफिक रीजन और अ मिथ इन दिस कॉम्युनिटी um see i would say it's always going to be difficult to achieve results when you're juggling uh, too many things uh, you know but honestly the startup ecosystem in india today and even globally is far more supportive than it has ever been so you know be it the educational institutions and their support to uh, incubators or you know e cells startup competitions uh, mentoring infrastructure or be it even external help you know in in the form of funding or the guiding e- ecosystem students today are infinitely better placed than i was in fact when i started working on my idea during my mba days you know in my time the ecel existed only namesake and i found it really hard to reach out for help and i was so disappointed i remember that i even turned on the presidency of the cell i genuinely believe yeah. that you guys have it so much better and it's really up to you to use it best Now what I'm saying is that it's not going to be easy as a student, and it's not going to be easy later on either. You know, I remember during my MBA days, I took on an activist role for something that was happening on campus, and it took up a lot of my time. So you know, what I'm saying is that a student's life is full of, uh, you know, distractions. And I'm going to be a little blunt here, but. you know if as an investor i am evaluating uh, your motivations you know i may think that okay you know if a student is especially in the undergrad years you know you're just starting out with life you know and you may be curious as to you know what else is out there right uh, you know and how much of life have you really seen to know exactly what problem you want to solve you know if that's the last thing you'll ever do right you know have you been through enough to truly know you know are you really that self aware do you really know what motivates you and drives you now i know there are some who know that from very early on uh, you know some may even choose to drop out of college you know but there are very few indeed you know for example uh, you know you're in your in last year of mba or you've just finished your mba is it going to be easy for you to uh, you know see your peers get placed well and settle for a hefty package uh you know and uh you know you start out on your journey in a very different direction i'll give an example yeah you know when i started out almost immediately after college and you know while my peers were working you know very comfortably in ac offices and they were talking about how they would spend the next paycheck i was really toiling away on my factory shop floor not knowing if i was going to be able to support my workers the next month and honestly it was not comforting it was you know rather scary sometimes so you know if you're a student and i have seen students struggle with these decisions right uh and you know so if you're a student you may have to try a lot harder to kind of convince an investor about your motivations and that you will be able to sustain your passion going forward uh you know we can help you with the rest and guide you along the way if you're willing to learn but we can't really teach you uh, you know passion exactly ma'am that really tells us that there is a difference between students who get placed in companies and who chose the startups so ma'am the third question would be as a student from a business school is there any different 
difference in ideas, perspectives in founders from different backgrounds like business school, tech background, commerce, arts, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, well, uh, definitely not in determining success or failure, but uh, I believe there could be some impact. Some educational uh, institutions, you know, they have a more evolved uh, startup ecosystem. They may have, you know, better tech infra or advisors. They may have better uh, alumni connect. And sometimes that can prove very beneficial to founders. Uh, You know, what happens is that one early success from a particular college, say, for example, will attract many more from that college to kind of, you know, take the jump into entrepreneurship, right? It's very natural thing. And that in turn will attract better quality investors and mentors to come on campus, right? Or, you know, think about uh, uh, students who've passed out of that institute. So which again increases the chances of success for founders from that institute. So it's a cycle. And, you know, that's what happens with VC. One big hit or a home run, one great investment. We will also start attracting better quality. So that's how these things work. Now, you know, in your B school or your undergrad school, I think where it may really help is that uh, in terms of building your network, you know, because that uh, may really help you. I mean, that's where you'll ideally find your co-founders, right? And that will help you in your venture a few years down the line. Uh, you know, your MBA may help you understand business concepts better, Vishwas, but it will not uh, necessarily make you a better entrepreneur. Now, uh, say say we're talking about tech background, okay? So someone wants to start a tech company. Now, obviously, having a background in the same field helps. Uh, you know, if you've, especially if you have experience working uh, in the same technology, it has very definite advantages. But the lack thereof need not hold someone back. So, see, even a non-tech founder has to convince not just investors, but her own workforce from time to time why she is the right person to run, manage, and grow this tech venture. So, uh, yes, you may not have the tech background, but you have a lot of convincing to do. And you eventually have to run the show. You have to beat other uh, companies in the space who may have uh, founders with, te- you know, tech experience and tech background. So, are you going to be able to do that? Okay, truly, that was so correct, ma'am. Uh, the next question is: An investor not on not only invests in an idea but also the founders. What is your take on it and how much weightage do you give before your investment decision? Okay. Um, because you mentioned the word idea, I think I should clarify here that uh, it is likely that at the idea stage, you will be doing a family and friends round. Uh, see, even for an angel yeah. or, a, or for, for angel or seed investors, you will need an MVP. You will need some feedback coming in from very first few clients for them to, you know, consider investing. Coming back to your uh, core question, um, in terms of the founders, see there are three important factors uh, that are given a lot of stress. The team, uh, your uh, core product or your offering, and the market opportunity. These three are very important in our evaluation. 
you know, the team is eventually the one that is driving the business, taking all the business calls, implementing and executing the idea. So it's very, very important. Now, as a founder, you are likely to have several meetings, several conversations uh, with an investor, right? Before they decide to invest in you. Uh, it's often called a marriage and it's rightly so because once the investment is made, we're, we're both in this together, absolutely, for better or for worse, right? Uh, so the VC is making many risky investments and wants to understand all possible risks and work towards minimizing them. And some of those risks are people risks, which are related to founders, right? So we try to spend a right. lot of time getting to know the founders, their personalities, understanding their motivations, their strengths, weaknesses, um, their potential for leadership, maturity, how coachable they are. Uh, we pay, we actually pay very close attention to their past experiences, their uh, previous learnings, expertise in a chosen field. See, and typically uh, two or three founders in a team is ideal. And it becomes important to look at how they complement each other. Uh, you don't want to, you, you know, in a team of two, for example, you don't want both of them who are experts in product, right? You want someone who uh, can focus on, say, the business development angle, right? Or has commercial experience. So over the course of a few discussions, we are able to observe, you know, how communicative they are, their selling, their understanding of the market, you know, just trying to know how the founders are really thinking about it all. You know, and as with any, you know, dating scene or a marriage, I think chemistry between a VC and a founder is important. It's a long-term relationship and you will have to work hard towards, you know, building trust and communication and honesty, especially when things are not going right. Yeah. Okay. So the next question which I would ask is how are startups generally valued when they go for fundraising? What approach does an investor usually use to evaluate a startup? Okay. So, uh, you know, as I mentioned in my uh, previous answer, I said, you know, there are three things that we're really looking at. Um, but I'm sure in terms of valuation specifically, and if you're talking numbers, you'll come across a lot of methods in finance discussions. But at the core of this discussion is um, how much money you really want to raise and how much equity you're willing to give away at this particular stage. And you're going to be raising several rounds. So uh, there is always a balancing to do between how much money you need uh, and uh, making sure that you as a founder doesn't get too diluted. And also you keep enough for your employees as incentive, right? Which is your option pool. Uh, at the angel or the seed stage, you know, at later stages, it still uh, becomes somewhat, there is a more scientific approach to doing this, uh, which you will find in textbooks. But what you will not is <laughs> when it gets complicated, that's at the angel or the seed stage because there is really no standard and you know valuation becomes very difficult. There are a lot of uh, factors that may decide this. It could be uh, you know the credentials of the founding team, 
it could be their experience or expertise for example if uh, you know the uh, it, it it's been a founder who has found success in a previous startup got a very good exit the company got acquired by a good brand you know so then obviously even uh, when this particular entrepreneur starts a new venture uh, he's he or she is likely to get a better valuation right Uh, than a complete newbie, uh, because they're less likely to make rookie uh, mistakes. They know the playbook, you know. Uh, also, you know, sometimes uh, what may have a bearing is the sector that the startup is in. Could be maybe it's a current favorite uh, for investors, or the uh, interest the startup generates in the investing community. Uh, investing community, you know, there could be. three or four vcs that could suddenly be interested in funding the startup and that could kind of uh, lead to deal heat also how much money is being raised so there is never a, f- a fixed scientific model or parameters right and a lot of them are qualitative uh, please understand that you know when an, when a vc is evaluating a lot of times they are influenced by their own individual experiences and personalities right you know so it sometimes it becomes very subjective and uh, different vcs will look at things differently um decisions are influenced uh, you know by a vc's own like likes or dislikes and specific interest in a given space so you know all of these factors will affect your valuation and there is simply no standard or a scientific scientific approach to it especially at the seed stage the next question would be we as founders often look towards high valuation fundraising in say seed pre series or series a etc but getting massive funds signaling high valuation can it also act as in a negative way in the future absolutely um you know that's why it's important that founders be mature and not get carried away with news about uh, you know other startups raising a lot of money and you know becoming unicorns very quickly if you're starting out uh, with the intention of simply raising a lot of money i think you're going to be very disappointed uh, and you don't want to typically start out with uh, you know very unreal expectations and then become bogged down by rejections early on i think the focus uh, has to remain very firmly on uh, you know just building the right product first through you know whatever iterations it takes uh by listening to your customers closely and knowing you know what metrics to track and then tracking them diligently see if you've built a formidable team if the market opportunity is large enough uh and you have uh, you know consistently met your milestones then uh, you know trust me you know vcs will want to be a part of your journey um you know having said that uh i think a found it's very important uh, for a founder to have a fair bit of clarity on you know how much money she wants to raise you know why she wants to raise and you know uh, where this money will get her in terms of milestones because it is achieving you know these milestones that will enable her to raise an extra round of funding right so as a vc uh, you know my target ownership uh you know in the company will also have a bearing here uh it may so happen you know that other vcs are also competing for the same deal and that may drive up valuation 
Now, if an entrepreneur has raised a lot of money at a high valuation in the current round, see, there is a chance that, you know, your next round could be a down round. And trust me, no one wants that. You know, your next round investors may feel that, you know, you should have achieved much more with the amount of money you raised in your previous round. And that really uh, complicates things. You simply don't want to be in that position. Uh, the worst thing you can do is that you raise a small amount at an aggressive valuation. You know, next round, always bear in mind that your next round investors are going to have much higher expectations from you. So you better meet your milestones. Now, sooner or later, you know, this is going to catch up with you and your valuation has to reflect the true progress you have made. You know, that's not the only consideration. Look at it this way. Uh, too much funding can actually kill uh, creativity, your jugard, your problem solving, you know, which I believe to be the lifeblood of any entrepreneurial venture. I think it's, um, there's, there's another unfortunate angle to this also, you know, that raising, you know, too much money too soon, uh, sometimes it tempts founders to kind of, you know, grow their expenses beyond, you know, what can really be managed at that stage. Know, which is why you've seen um, many good names in the startup world, you know, hiring far too many people first and then, you know, more people than they actually needed and then undertaking massive layoffs to just keep themselves above water or hiring, uh, you know, highly paid executives very early on and then realizing that it's really draining the startup drive and things get tough and things always get tough, you know, sooner or later. So you want to make sure uh, that the you know milestones you set are rational uh, because your current investor uh, you want your current investor to kind of continue to believe in you you know because they they gave you a funding first to achieve these set of milestones so you could raise your next round right and you know that's uh, you know so that they continue to believe in you and uh, so that they can participate in the next round as well because that is what will give a new investor more comfort to actually come in right right okay so thank you ma'am for letting us know the different angles which tell us that high valuation can also be acted in a negative way yeah. so the coming to the next question ma'am and this is the last one what advice do you want to give to young entrepreneurs who are starting with their journeys? Um, okay, I could write a thesis on that, but uh, honestly, I'm you know <laughs> uh, I'm sure you've there's a lot of advice going around, right? Uh, you know, some of the things yeah. that you constantly come across are like things like building your resilience and creativity and your selling skills and your communication. So I'll, I'll not go there, but. Uh, you know, I also hear the, the term storytelling a lot, right? Yes, it's important, but it won't really get you far, you know. What is going to get you far is your implementation, your numbers, uh, metrics, and your storytelling along with that, right? That's what will get you far. So, you know, what I would say is this. Don't, uh, don't build a solution looking for a problem, please. You know, focus on need to have products and services rather than good to have ones because the need to have solutions will have a, a much better chance of survival especially in a tough business environment like covid just proved right uh, 
I think it's uh, also important to have a, a learning mindset in general in life, but especially when you're trying to build a company. Uh, in the, in the uh, VC world, we have a phrase for it. It's called, uh, you know, we say strong opinions loosely held. You know, which means that it's good to have conviction and belief, but you need to be flexible enough uh, to accept. You know, when things are not going right. You know, and at that juncture, if you act stubborn, you go, you're doomed, right? So you need to be flexible enough to unlearn, uh, you know, to discover new ways of doing things. A large number of, uh, you know, startups have found success after they pivoted, you know, because their initial ideas simply weren't working out, right? Or the business environment changed. So you also need to be fairly coachable. Now, if you act stubborn. It's going to be very difficult to work with investors and advisors. See, VCs have interacted with thousands of founders. They've seen many, many businesses before yours. So, you know, maybe you should be willing to pay heed sometimes and use their experience and contacts. You know, to the very best. Uh, you know, there are um, other traits that I do want to talk about, and these are not spoken very often in entrepreneurship circles. Uh, but I believe personally that they're very important to develop for success in any chosen field, and especially in business. And those are EQ or your emotional quotient and empathy. Now, without these two, uh, I think you're going to find it very hard. And I've out of I speak out of personal experience. It's going to be very hard to connect with people and come across as genuine. Uh, you know you know, these will help you understand your customer better, uh, will not only help you build a better team, but more importantly, retain, you know, a good team and have much better business relationships in general. I think they're very important aspects of leadership. And, uh, you know, without them, you're going to find it very hard to, you know, retain even your most loyal employee. Also, I think... Uh, it's, uh, I think you should give yourself time to introspect and think and do a lot of research before you start something and continue to do so throughout your journey. See, it's uh, great to hope for the best, but I think the way to plan it is always think of worst case scenarios, you know, and plan for those too. Um, I think, you know, apart from that, I think you just need to be careful because there's an entire industry that has been created to teach founders how to pitch to investors. You know, there is there are tons of advisors and mentors and it's important to note that, you know, not every advice and not every mentor is right for you. So I think uh, I'll uh, stop at that, I think, for the purpose of the short discussion. Sure, ma'am. Thank you so much, Priyanka Mishra, ma'am, for sharing your wonderful insights. I'm sure our listeners will learn a lot and be able to implement these in their lifelong ventures. Thanks Thank you, ma'am. I hope my insights were helpful. Thank you. Thanks.